Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 8, Alexander Rakic versus Anthony Lionheart-Smith. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada, a light heavyweight showdown in the main event. And now since John Jones vacated his belt, it seems like both these guys are very, very close to a title shot with a win here, Shaq. Yeah, you know, the light uh, the light heavyweight division's wide open now. I'm glad to see Reyes and Blackovich, you know, uh, duking it out for that strap. And these guys aren't far behind, you know, both coming off, uh, you know, setbacks in their last fight. But this is a good opportunity to to redeem themselves. You know, Ratchet coming off the split loss to Volcan. I know uh, Lionheart's got a win over Volcan, but that last fight, you know, it, it definitely got ugly. So I know he wants to uh, redeem himself. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And uh, it's interesting because, you know, Anthony Lionheart-Smith's had over 40 pro fights. Alexander Rakic, this is his 15th fight. So, man, uh, step up in competition in a way. But the way that people regard Alexander Rakic, they talk about this kid like he's a future world champion. Like if John Jones was still the champ, this could potentially be the guy to dethrone him. So if he comes out here and he can knock out a guy like Anthony Smith, uh, that's going to kind of validate everyone's comments about him. 100%, you know, uh, just because he has one loss doesn't mean, you know, uh, that it's over for him, man. You know, it was a very close fight. And now Anthony Smith, a guy who's fought for the title, who's got wins over guys like Gustafsson and Ozdemir, finishes, you know. So this will be a, a huge win of, uh, for uh, Ratchet. No doubt about it. Well, Shaq, let's get right down to business because first up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Sean Brady, he's 12-0, and 0, and Christian Aguilera is 14-6. and 6. Currently, they got Sean Brady minus 400. The comeback on Christian Aguilera is plus 325. Well, Shaq, I mean, when I first heard about this matchup, uh, you know, getting announced, I was like, oh, shit, you know, there's going to be a mismatch. We get to cash on Brady. We get to do the whole bit. But uh, as you know, there's, you know, Vegas ain't no charity. They ain't out here giving out free money. So they lined it appropriately. I mean, we're looking at minus 400 for Brady. So do you think that's about accurate or do you think there actually still might be a little value left over? on Brady here because I do find it kind of hard to find uh, I mean, to see Christian Aguilera winning this fight. Yeah. You know, Sean Brady, he, he's definitely the better fighter. You know, he's the more hype prospect. He's been doing his thing. Got the, the two wins over a solid vet like McGee and a, and a prospect like Nardi Evan Aguilera. His fight was very quick in the UFC over Ivy. Ivy got stunned and kind of just went down. So, you know, we still need to see more of Aguilera. You know, he kind of does have a shaky pass, some stoppage losses at 55 and at 45. So, you know, that this guy might have possibly had a little bit of a weight issue. But let's be honest here, man. He's a good striker. He's got, uh, I think, double-digit knockouts. Like, the dude has knockout power. And I would say the weakness in Sean Brady's game if I had to say, it would be his boxing and his striking because, you know, he is somewhat of a small guy for 170. He kind of, you know, if he does get backed up, he can kind of struggle at times. But Brady, man, his grappling is legit. Uh, I know he trains at Daniel Gracie down there in Philadelphia. And he's a uh, the more well-rounded guy. You know, Aguilera, he's been stopped before. But I do think Aguilera could potentially, you know, fight a lot, uh, you know, better than the uh, the line indicates. He does have knockout power. So I, I think Brady will just play it safe and and, and get the job done. But, uh, you know, Aguilera, man, he can hit 11 knockouts, I believe, on his record, man. He, he does put guys away. So uh, I, I don't think there's much value on the line. I think Brady's going to – you're going to see a, a guy like Brady play it safe in this fight. One thing I like about Brady, you know, for only being 2-0 in the UFC, this guy is very, very smart, and he knows exactly what he needs to do to get the job done. And you know that's a quality that we truly admire and appreciate in a fighter that, you know, he doesn't have to come out here and stand and bang for his ego. He knows exactly what he's got to do to get the job done. And look, Christian Aguilera is a dangerous guy. You know, he's had 20 pro fights. He's experienced. Most of his wins are by knockout. He hits like a truck. On the flip side, he's also been knocked out a couple times, so there are questions about the durability. But a guy like Brady, you know, if you're worried, you know, if you're parlaying Brady and you're worried, oh, is he going to stand and bang with Christian and possibly, you know, risk getting knocked out, Brady's too smart for that. Brady knows when to, you know, mix in those level changes, take you to the mat, and do exactly what he needs to do to get the job done. And this is a guy who most of his wins are by decision anyways, so... I really respect that quality. He knows how to go 15 hard minutes, knows exactly when to turn up, knows when to kind of feel you out. That last performance against Nardia, that was a mature performance, Shaq. I mean, that first round, he took his ass whooping like a man. 
comes back. When it was time to turn up, Sean Brady turned up, and I think he's going to turn up on Christian Aguilera. So I got Sean Brady. Probably a unanimous decision, but the, the knockout wouldn't surprise me either. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Emily Whitmire. She's 4-3, and three, and Pollyanna Vienna is 10-4. and four. Currently, they got Emily Whitmire minus 140. The comeback on Pollyanna Vienna is plus 120. We'll shack this open minus 115 Pollyanna Vienna minus 105 Whitmire. Currently, we're looking at Whitmire minus 140, which is kind of interesting. So this is what I got to say. I mean, both these ladies have, you know, they like to scramble back and forth. They like to take the back. They like to go for arm bars. They like to do the whole bit, no doubt about it. But uh, it's one of those situations where I kind of line it to pick them, man. On Pollyanna's, you know, worst days, she's out here losing to Hannah Cyphers. Uh, what was the other really embarrassing loss? She, oh, yeah, she lost to Veronica Macedo. You understand what I'm saying? But on her best day, she was out here beating Amanda Reba. She knocked her out in the first round. That's something that Emily Whitmire would never accomplish in a million years. I mean, let's be honest. She fought Amanda Rebos. You saw what happened. And we can sit here and say, oh, it's a new Rebos, this and that. But, like, I don't think that even on Emily Whitmire's best day, she can get a win on that level. So it's really about, you know, is Pollyanna going to fight to the level of her competition? Because, like I said, when she's in there with Cyphers and Macedo, she's out here losing. But when she's in here against real women, she's winning. I'm going to go with Vienna just because I think her ceiling is higher. Hopefully uh, she shows up in her best form and goes out here and wins this fight, Shaq. Yeah, you know, this fight's interesting because, you know, I I feel like it, it's a case of where one fighter is probably a little more put together, probably a little more uh, well-rounded versus one that's a little looser but might have more heart and might be a little bit tougher. So I think Whitmire, I mean, you know, she was on a little bit of a streak with the wins over Moyle and um, and Albu, but, you know, those are very, very uh, – the Albu fight was very quick, less than a minute. And, you know, I just have a hard time believing that maybe – that she can keep it together for 15 minutes if someone pressures her and puts her in, you know, arm bar spots or spots on the mat. I mean, I feel like her ground game is, is very questionable and I don't see her as the type of person to, to pull off arm bars. I feel like she's more of a, a boxer wrestler, you know, so uh, she's got a double leg that she said a couple times like against Albu and, um, and Jamie Moyle. So I think Viana, like, let's just be honest here. We got two girls that aren't very good. But I feel like Viana can finish the fight, you know, with an arm bar. I mean, I, I, what, from what I've seen, it doesn't make uh, it doesn't take much to break Emily Whitmire. I just think uh, it's going to it's the question I'm uh, trying to answer here. Is Viana good enough to put her in those spots? Because, you know, you look at these J.J. Aldridge fights where she got dominated. You know, she lost to Hannah Cyphers, who, you know, potentially could be out of the UFC here shortly by split decision, just all due to the fact that she uh, keeps leaving her chin up in the air. But at the same time, man, I feel like those girls that I just named kind of throw with more intensity than, uh, than Emily Whitmire. I don't think Emily Whitmire commits fully, man. So I'm actually going to go with Viana as well. I can't necessarily say how, but I, I, I do think that she's going to put Whitmire in a tough spot and, and possibly get her out of there with either an arm bar or a triangle. But I, I think it's going to be a, a chaotic type of fight. So um, I'm interested to see what happens. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres. He's 16 and 12. And Austin Springer is 12 and 3. Currently, they got Bruce Leroy Caceres minus 175. The comeback on Austin Springer is plus 145. So this is interesting, man, because initially Giga Chikadze was supposed to fight uh, Alex Bruce Leroy. Now it's the guy that beat Giga Chikadze on Contender Series that's getting the call. But the thing is here, man, on that show uh, where Austin Springer, you know, beat Giga Chikadze, I don't know if you remember, and I could be way off, but off the top of my head, I feel like everyone got signed that night except Austin Springer. They weren't very impressed with him, and I feel like he kind of got whooped that entire fight against Giga until, you know, Giga kind of showed that, hey, at the time he was just a kickboxer, needed to round out his game. And honestly, I think that that was a good thing for uh, Giga because now he's come back a lot better. He's undefeated in the UFC. But Austin Springer is getting his opportunity here. Now, Shaq, Bruce Leroy, like, let, let me just, let's just put it this way. Let's be 100% upfront, just like we always are. There's different levels of gatekeepers in the UFC. There's gatekeepers to the top 20. There's gatekeepers to the top 15, the top 10, the top five. And then there's gatekeepers that measure if you even belong in the UFC at all. And that's exactly what Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres is. If you cannot beat Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres, you do not belong in the UFC. So my question for you is, does Austin Springer belong in the UFC? 
Yeah, you know, I think Springer, he's tough. He moves forward. He's got uh, good wrestling, good grappling on the feet. He definitely uh, can get a little bit carried away and have the tendency to get rocked and wobbled and dropped in his fights. He fought Gritzmacher on tough. He got he got beat up very, very badly in that, in that fight. And then uh, he was able to stay on uh, Weather Storm, stay on him, stay on Giga, and was able to get the finish. So props to him. I do think he's a, I think he's at least tough enough to be a UFC fighter. Yes, uh, but man, Caceres, man, even though you know he's got thirty fights and he and he's lost damn near half of them. You know, I think uh, he's still a solid fighter, man. He's still uh, able to go out there and take care of these, you know, middle low tier guys like Ocho Peterson and Martin Bravo, and you know he's able to walk those guys into his left hand and his left hand's money man he beat Sergio Pettis back in the day I know you remember that went to a uh, split decision with Yair Rodriguez even though I thought it should have been uh, unanimous but hey he, he still went to he still went to split decision but I think Caceres man is the better fighter here and I think that guys you know that don't have good footwork that don't have good movement he's able to really trick them into walking into his left hand and, and then he starts dropping them starts piecing them up he did that with martin bravo did that with ocho uh but you know if he fights like someone like good like the 19 and 1 wang Wan or a specialist like cron gracie or a faber or you know somebody like that then that's when he uh gets his ass beat so i think he's gonna take care of business here i'm gonna say my knockout too man i think uh caceres gets on gets on a on a nice little win streak here you know, this is about to be the first three-fight win streak that Caceres has had since, like, you know, 2012, 2013, 2014. He actually, Loki had a five-fight win streak in the UFC back in the day. I know one of those says no contest. You know, my boy was out here chiefing up before the fight, so they called it a no contest, which is total bullshit. But we all know he won that fight. Yeah, 100%, man. A lot of people forget. My boy Caceres was out there with George and, and, and Kimbo and all them fighting in the streets. You know, you can't forget about that. You know, actually, on the Ultimate Fighter, he was like one of my favorite guys on that season he was on. Um, I was actually rooting for him in that fight he had against Michael Johnson. It was uh, kind of funny how it all went down. Uh, but, yeah, he was that street fighting guy. He'd always be known for getting taken down. Then he'd catch these guys in triangle chokes. You remember that, Shaq? And now he's kind of developed the kind of flashy striking style. I, I just think he's you know, got more to prove, you know, or not more to prove, but I think he brings more to the table than Austin Springer. You know, Austin Springer, look, he's a tough guy. He's been on the regional scene, even though if we're going to talk about his regional scene, Shaq, we got to be 100% up front that, you know, he beat a 50-year-old, and I'm not even exaggerating. He beat a guy that's 50 years old a fight or two ago, you know what I'm saying, man? So I, I think I think he still needs some more work before he's quite UFC ready over here. I mean, dude, you remember the Chris Gritzmacher beatdown? I know you remember the Chris Gritzmacher beatdown. Back when we max bet Chris uh, Gritzmacher to beat Joe Lozon, one of the fights we watched was his beatdown of Austin Springer. I know you remember that, Shaq. So I think Austin Springer still got a little bit of work to do. Uh, you know, he also got knocked out by Julian Arosa, if I remember correctly. So he's got some work to do. So I'm going to go with Bruce Leroy to make it three in a row in 2020. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got an interesting matchup between Zach Cummings, he's 23-7, and seven, and Alessio DiCirico is 12-4. and four. Currently, they got Alessio DiCirico minus 115, and Zach Cummings is minus 105. Shaq, a lot of people think this fight is a bit of a pick -em. It's going to be, you know, this low-output fight where, you know, you flip a coin and see who the judges give the split decision to. Do you agree with that, or do you kind of edge one side, uh, you know, a little more significantly? Yeah, man, I think DiCirico, so you got two tough guys that are both known for taking a punch. You know Cummins, the type of chin that he has, uh, and we know that he, I mean, pretty much every fight his face, you know, he's got two black guys. He's going to, you know, he's going to get busted up, but we know he likes to dish out punishment with the left hand as well. And DiCirico, I feel like he's tough and he's solid everywhere. His issue is just... He doesn't throw enough in some of these matchups, and then he likes to, you know, complain that he got robbed by decision. Now, I, I'm actually one of the few people that thought he uh, won his fight against Marquez. I know Marquez uh, missed weight by uh, what eight eight pounds or eight pounds or so. Uh, how much? How much weight did he miss by? It was by a lot, man. Uh, from what a I lot. remember, seven, six six to eight pounds. Yeah, but uh, and he was able to deal with that. And, and, you know, his last two losses were to Kevin Holland, which I was there for live. And I, I don't think he fought a bad fight. It's just he's just not better than Kevin and Kevin and Kevin had to play it safe against him, man. And 
his fight against uh, Mahmoud Muradov, who it, it was looking very good these days at 185. Another, I mean, the third round, Yuchiriko had him in some very tough spots, but the first two rounds, he didn't do enough. So, to be honest, man, I feel like Zach Cummings is a step down from those two. I feel like Cummings doesn't throw as much. He's not as dynamic as those two guys. So I do actually feel like DiCirico could possibly have some success in this matchup. But it's just I don't trust him enough to for him to put his foot on the pedal, for him to to uh to you know to to have a sense of urgency. But I I kind of slightly lean him in this matchup, man. I feel like he, he's the younger guy. I feel like his job might possibly be on the line a little bit. Uh, and I feel like Cummings just kind of is a little bit stagnant, man. And I feel like if Cummings, you know, were, were in some of those matchups like Holland and uh, and uh, Mahmoud Muradov, he, he might possibly get, you know, dominated. I mean, look at his fight with Trevor Smith. I know he was able to get the job done, man, but it was a sloppy, sloppy, ugly fight. So uh, I'm actually going to go with DiCirico to, to somewhat kind of save his job here and, and get the win. Yeah, you know, Zach Cummings, he kind of has a reputation of being that guy that you go out there, again, kind of like Frankie Edgar back in the day, where like you hit him with an aluminum bat flush on the chin, and he'll kind of laugh at you and keep uh, fighting, keep moving forward. And I know you remember specifically that Ponzinibbio fight, the kind of bombs he took, and was, was just able to march forward the entire time. And Zach Cummings, a very durable guy, very tough to deal with, a little bit on the slower side, but hits like a truck. He's got some slick submissions. He's got a black belt in jujitsu, you know, trains with James Krause and all those guys. So, you know, he's got some calf kicks as well. But uh, Alessio DiCarico, you know, he's a guy who I'm a bit higher on than most people because most people just think of him as just this average guy, which I understand where you're coming from 100%. I feel like he's got more to show and he hasn't quite shown it yet. If you under, if you get my if you catch my drift a little bit like. I feel like he totally should have beat Eric Spicely. I feel like these fights against Kevin Holland and Mahmoud Muradov, those guys are potential, you know, future top 15 guys. Like, I feel like Kevin Holland and Mahmoud Muradov are two very, very bright prospects in the middleweight divisions, guys with very bright futures. And I felt like Alessio DiCarico gave him tough fights. You know, it was just a matter of he needs a little more output. Sometimes he gets a little frustrated in these fights. But the thing is, Zach Cummings ain't exactly going to come out here and, you know, put up 100 significant strikes and, you know, make uh, Alessio have to really catch up on points. I feel like this is the kind of fight where Alessio can do his kind of slow, methodical fight, keep it standing, pump the jab out there a little bit. So uh, even though, you know, Zach, he does have that tendency to, you know, kind of make it a war, kind of make it a dogfight. I feel like Alessio is going to be ready for that. And I think he's at a better current point in his career. You know, one thing about Zach Cummings He's still durable as hell. He can still take an iron shot to the jaw. But I feel like he's slowing down a little bit, you know. And he's not necessarily going to start getting knocked out or anything like that. But some of these performances have kind of been like a step down from what he once was. Um, I don't know if you all agree or disagree with that. But that's just kind of how I viewed it. Like even that tractor Prezerish fight, I feel like, hey, I know Tractor's a beast. But a couple of years ago, no five foot six guy was beating Zach Cummings in a fight. And uh, now shit's starting to change. So I'm going to go with Alessio DiCarico to kind of edge out a controversial split decision here. We'll see what happens. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Mallory Martin, she's six and three, and Hannah Cyphers is ten and six. Currently, they got Mallory Martin minus three twenty-five. Shaq, the comeback on Hannah Cyphers is plus two sixty-five. So you know, my girl Hannah Cyphers is getting disrespected again. NFC vet, shout out to Hannah Cyphers. Uh, you know, uh, very exciting to watch. Fun striker. She's, she's taking on Deron Wynn's girlfriend. So, you know, Deron uh, Wynn's girlfriend is going to try to come out here, try to mix in takedowns, do the whole bit. And we know that's a path to victory against uh, Hannah Cyphers for sure. But I also don't really think that, you know, Mallory Martin's on the Angela Hill levels, on the Mackenzie Dern level. I don't think she's anywhere near that. I think, if anything, she's closer to the people that uh, that Hannah Cyphers has actually beat, you know, like Pollyanna Vienna and Jody Escabella and all of them. That being said, all, all bullshit aside, you think the minus three twenty five favorite rolls here? Man, you know, uh, look, I, I, Hannah Cyphers, I feel like it's just a product. She's been taking bad matchups, or you know, she got on that streak, and then they started taking fights against Mackenzie Dern and Angela Hill, and you know, uh, what was the other one? Uh, Agapova, where she got stopped on short notice up a weight class, so. You know, Anna Cypher, is, is, her team's just really not really been putting her in uh, good spots, you know. Uh, 
and Mallory Martin, man, I I agree. I feel like they're honestly close on somewhat same levels. It's just that Hannah Cyphers is, you know, even she's actually very underratedly strong. Uh, it's just that you know her reach is very short, and you know uh, she tends men to sometimes when they get on the ground to just completely fall apart and and you know give up submissions to Agapova who, you know, uh, shout out to Agapova because, man, that was, uh, was that not one of the biggest stunts you've ever seen in your entire life? Close to it. <laughs> that was uh, definitely top three stunts of all time, man. I was like, whoa, this is this is uh, something else. But, uh, yeah, man, Dude, I feel it was like, like a, sorry, to, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but it was almost like in the video game, you come out spamming everything, and then the yeah, energy. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> the, energy, the energy meter gets to zero, and she's still spamming finishing combos. It's like, Maria, relax. Maria, chill. It's like, chill out. What do you like? Relax. But, yeah, man, I feel like uh, Mallory Martin, you know, she might have better footwork, slightly better kicks, but nowhere, like, significant anywhere, like, better than Hannah Cyphers, in my opinion, personally. Um I think they're going to be sweating this minus three, especially if you play it at minus 325. Maybe if you got it at like minus 170, you know, back at, uh, at the the original uh, or where it was. But, man, I, you know, I just don't see Mallory Martin being this girl that's going to come out here and, uh, and, and put it on somebody, man. I feel like she's more of a point fighter. And I feel like, you know, Mackenzie Dern's got an elite submission ability. Uh, you know, Agapova is a 25er. Granted, but man, Hannah Cypher just ain't been looking too good. The momentum's definitely on uh, Martin's side, even though she got submitted her last fight. So I'll take her, but I'm going to say by like split decision, like close, like, you know, uh, sweat throughout the entire fight. So, yeah, look, at current price, it's a dog or pass situation 100%. But like you were saying, if you got it, you know, minus 120, minus 150, even minus 170, okay, I can understand. But like relying on her here at this price, I think it's ridiculous, uh, but she's going to pass the victory. Just get it to the mat, and you're probably going to win. Hannah's not going to get back up if you get this to the mat. But if, you know, Mallory Martin wants to be cute, wants to test her stand-up, wants to stand and bang with Cyphers, I, I, I lean Cyphers in that kind of fight. In a stand-up fight, I got Cyphers, but you know that 90% of fights hit the mat, right, Shaq? So I think this one will hit the mat, too. I'm going to lean with Mallory Martin, but, I mean, come on. At this price, let's, let's completely uh, chill out. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, shout out to my boy 8-Ball Rocco, Maria the Stunt, Agapova. My boy VCR Repairman says, I love a good stunt. I, I feel you there, 100%. All right, so next up in the 185-pound division, we got a matchup between Maki Coconut Bombs Pitolo, he's 13-6, and six, and Impa Kasanganai is 7-0. Currently, they got Impa Kasanganai, minus 130, the comeback on Maki Pitolo is plus 120. Shaq, this is a great, great fight for a lot of reasons, man. Because, like, I know the finished product version of Impa is not only, you know, a guy that could beat Mackie Batolo, I think he's a future top 15 guy. The question is, can 7-0 Impa go out there and beat Mackie Batolo, who at this point is the most experienced and best fighter he's ever fought to, to date? Oh, my bad. Uh, yeah, man, this is uh, this is an interesting matchup because Mackie Batolo, like, you know, to be honest, like we, we know his history. We know that he, he's a banger. We know that he, he likes to come forward and throw combination punches, mixing it to the body and whatnot. He's he's got some fast hands. But, you know, just historically speaking throughout his entire career, man, he's made just a lot of like what the fuck type of moments like damn dude like <laughs> what the hell was that like fights where he's winning uh, multiple fights that he's been winning and that he literally just pulls a big no-no and, and and gets finished and that's what happened his last fight now i'm not saying that he was dominating or winning or whatever but i, I do think he was having some success and the fact that man you know he kind of panicked in that submission really fast. It's like, you know, it kind of just makes me think that, 
is Mackie Pat- is Mackie Patolo even UFC caliber man? Because you know his fight on Contender Series against Justin Sumter, who got knocked out the previous season against Ian Heinish, also in the first round. Uh, you know he hit him with four shots to the body, and the dude goes down. I gotta think Impa Kasagana is a lot tougher than that. And then you know yeah he you know he was cutting to 170, 170. He's cutting too much weight, this and that, but. Still, man, in my in the back of my head, it's like still to lose the Callan Potter, who in his other two fights has been stopped very, very fast in the first round by Keenan Sung and uh, Jalen Turner. It kind of makes me just wonder, like, like, damn, you still fucking got dominated against Callan Potter. <laughs> like, that's alarming to me, man. And I know he had the win over Charles Bird, but Charles Bird retired right after that fight. And we know that Charles Bird's 37, 38 years old on the tail end of his career. And I thought it was a competitive fight for a round. And then Charles Bird just got tired and kind of uh, wanted to, wanted to, you know, retire, man. So, you know, Impa Kasaki and I, I think he's got a, a very feasible, you know, UFC debut on his hands against uh, Maki Patolo. Impa, you know, he's very, he's green, you know, he, he hasn't been in a lot of situations, but to be honest, man, to the situations that he's been put into up to now, I mean, he's passed every test, and I mean, he fought Devorius Tubbs. We know Tubbs, uh, you know, at at three and zero, at three and zero, two and zero, three and zero. Man, I mean, he still got the win. I mean, it wasn't a the prettiest fight, but man, I feel like Impa's a grinder, man. When when the going gets tough, he's able to will through. Look at his last fight; he didn't win that first round. The dude had some sharp knees up the middle, some sharp low kicks, and he definitely did get the better of Impa in the first round. But man, you got to make an adjustment, and I feel like that's what Maki Patolo fails to do in a lot of his fights man I just feel like you know granted I I do think he's got faster hands than Impa and Impa kind of does have like a little bit of that football stiffness but I I feel like man if Impa clinches Mackie or makes Mackie work in the clinch that I think that he's big enough and strong enough to tire him out and I also feel like you know, he can counter Mackie possibly and, and, and hurt Mackie and, and steal the rounds with, with big power shots, man. So I'm going to go with Impa Kasaganai to, to remain undefeated. I just don't feel like Mackie Patolo can keep it together, man, uh, throughout a 15-minute process. I feel like he constantly just makes, you know, WTF moments constantly in a lot of his fights. And, and it's sad because I do think he's a, a, a good striker. So I'm interested to see if he can possibly exploit Kasaganai in, in the boxing. But I just think that, man, if he gets hit, that he's not going to be able to maintain focus. And, and on the mat, man, I really do think Kasaganai can uh, get the better of him there. So I'm going to go with Kasaganai for uh, a decision win. Yeah, this is a really, really good fight. I'm very excited for it. Uh, Mackie Batolo, super exciting fighter, win, lose, or draw. You know, someone that I truly enjoy watching. And I feel like he's a lot better at 185s than he is at 170s. You know, he was cutting way too much weight for 170. I feel like at 185, he performs a lot better. That Darren Stewart fight was a big letdown, not just because I took the plus 150 on Mackie, but more so because it's like, dude, you're controlling the stand-up exchanges. You land the hardest shot of the fight. You go for the takedown, which we're thinking like, hey, perfect. We're going to mix in takedowns. Darren Stewart can't stuff a takedown to, to save his life. You go for the takedown, you execute the takedown, and then you leave your head on the outside and get choked. It's like, dude, like, really? Now, I understand that's a fixable mistake. You go back to the wrestling room, you know, work on your head positioning. That's something that could easily be fixed. I understand that. But it's like kind of like what you were talking about. This isn't just like a one-time thing. This has been a history of things. And that choke that he get, that you know he got hit with in the Stewart fight, I know it's Stewart's first career sub. You know uh, Dakota Cochran did the exact same thing to him on the regional scene too, right, Shaq? So it's not the first time he's dove head first into a choke. Also wouldn't be the first time he gets knocked out stiff. Now, here, here's the thing, though. With Impa Kasanganai, it's really about where he's at right now in his respective career. Because, again, he's only 7-0. He's had less than 10 pro fights. You already know with these kids that have had less than 10 pro fights, they're going to be making these huge leaps every single time they fight. Now, the other factor is, and you know, when you talk about where someone's from and, and, and this and that, listen, man, Africans can fight. It is what it is. You look at Francis Ngannou, you look at Razak, uh, Dalcha, there's a bunch of other ones, man. Uh, DeCasey, like Africans can fight. This guy's from Congo. He's a first generation American, meaning that, you know, his parents uh, moved from Congo to the States, had him. This guy is naturally gifted. He's a freak athlete. And the thing I like most about him is that he's got the heart of a champion. In both of his contender series fights, 
kind of started off a bit slow and you know he he didn't go out there and just win because you know he he's got a higher vertical jump or because he can you know squat more because he can do any shit he won because he dug deep to a place in his heart and pulled both those wins out so I respect him a lot for the, for the kind of wins he pulled out of contender series both times. I feel like that's going to translate down the line to a guy that, you know, in deep waters, if it's one, one going to the third round, he knows what he's got to do to bite down on that mouthpiece and get that, get that third round win. Or if it's a five round fight, which, cause you know, a guy like that's got championship aspirations, you know, for a fact that if it's, you know, two, two going to the fifth, he's the guy that's going to bite down on his mouthpiece and make it happen. Whereas Mackie is a very momentum-based fighter. You know, Mackie's a guy where, hey, if he cracks you and hurts you, you know, he's going to go off speed up top, rip the body, knock you out, do the whole bit. But if Mackie's kind of falling behind on the cards, not that he's not tough. He, he's a Hawaiian warrior. He's very, very tough. He hits like a truck. He's well-rounded. He's decent everywhere. It, it's just that I feel like Mackie can get a bit discouraged. And I feel like if this does become a battle of wills, that I got to go with Impa Kasanganai. It's just the first round is going to be – if you're betting the chalk on Impa, this first round is going to be a sweat because Mackie hits like a truck. He comes to fight. He's experienced. He's better than anyone Impa's ever fought up until this point. So Mackie's going to bring that fight, and Mackie can potentially hit him with some hard stuff too. And, you know, when I was talking about the African fighters, of course, I, I can't forget about the two champs, Kamaru Usman and Israel Adesanya. I can't believe I didn't mention them. But back, back to Impa Kasangani, I think he projects to be a better fighter. It's all about where he is right now. So that's kind of where the guessing work is and, you know, where the prediction comes into play. I'm going to say he's got enough to come out here and beat uh, Maki Patolo in his UFC debut. And I'm very excited to see what the future holds for him. And I hope Maki sticks around because he's a very, very exciting guy, win, lose, or draw. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got the rematch between Magomed and Khalib. He's 13 and 1. And Iwan Kutalaba is 15 and 5. Currently, they got Magomed and Khalib minus 320. The comeback on Iwan Kutalaba is plus 260. Well, Shaq, uh, th this is this is interesting too, because it seems to me like Iwan Kutalaba's first round KO or bust. Whenever he's been past the first round, he's always lost, you know, except for uh against Johnny Bravo Wilson, which we all know Magomed and Khalif is on a completely different level than John Wilson. So basically, can Ewan get this first-round knockout, or is he about to get out-techniqued, out-pointed, and possibly knocked out? Yeah, man, I, I, I like Ewan's uh, intense, intensity, and the line was kind of and maybe a little more wide now, but I remember it was somewhat wide the first time too, you know, uh, for Inca Live. He was coming off those nice wins over at Dolce, uh, stoppages in Prachnio as well. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think Inca Live's the better fighter. And like you said, that's pretty much it. Kudalaba, you get him out the first round. Uh, we know what, you know, usually tends to happen. He, he gasses out. Um, he ha he's got good footwork early. And, you know, I kind of do think like, you know, man, it's kind of, kind of, it's a little bit of a kind of similar to Brady and Aguilera in a sense where I kind of feel like Ankalaev might kind of choose to play this safe because, like, you know, he already knocked him out once. And by the way, that was a bullshit stoppage, 100%. Uh, but at the same time, Ankalaev did hurt him, and he was getting the better in the early in the early going. So I feel like Ankalaev is honestly just better than Kudalaba everywhere. It's just uh, at this price. You know, it's like, man, it's going to be hard to to live up to that again, you know. So uh, I feel like, yeah, Kudalaba somewhat live for a, a first-round KO. I mean, two big 205ers swinging early on in the fight. But I feel like, man, Kudalaba's composure when the when the fight gets going just kind of kind of just falls apart at times, man. I know Glover, but at the same time, at the same time, in his defense, Glover Teixeira is a legit top five, uh, 205-pounder. And, I mean, you know, he had his moments in that fight, but we know what happens when Glover gets on top of these guys. It's it's usually uh, game over. So um, I actually do think there's a little bit of value on Kudalaba, but I just think Ankalaev is the pick. I think he's the better fighter, but from the numbers side of things, it's kind of wide in my opinion. Yeah, it's just one of those things, man, where we already know what Kutalaba brings to the table. There's not going to be any surprises here. If he wins, it'll be a first-round knockout. The, the thing is, man, Ankalaev, he's too smooth. He's too technical. He's too precise. He's just too good for Kutalaba everywhere. Now, I agree. You know, the price might be a little, you know, we're, we're looking almost at minus 350. I get it. But it's like 
it's not just the fact that Kutalaba's first round or bust in terms of like the physical stuff, like also like the mental stuff, man. Uh, I feel like if you push this guy, I feel like he's a bully. You know what I mean? All you got to do is get this guy past the first round, take a couple of his best shots, and he's going to check out. I mean, this and, then, is gonna... and then the and then the bully turns into a small man. Exactly. You already know the deal. So Kutalaba's a bully. And honestly, man, I felt like it was a, a knock on his fight IQ to do that whole fucking bullshit possum game that he did that And, and you know what's funny, man? You know what's funny? Uh, actually, he actually did that in the Glover fight too, man. Like, he's kind of a nut job. Like, he was kind of doing a little bit of the Rocky thing in the in the Glover fight as well after he almost knocked him out. So, uh, this guy, his thought process is a little interesting. It really is. And it's like, okay, so you're trying to lull him into a false sense of security and then bomb off on him. I get that. But, like, you saw the bombs he was throwing back. Like, they were ugly, dude. Like, they weren't, like, even close to landing. They weren't like, oh, man, if one of those would have landed, holy shit. It was more like, dude, what the fuck is this guy doing? So I, I think it's more than him just being a bully. I think he ain't the brightest either. I think his fight IQ is extremely questionable, his decision-making. And now, you know, it's coming off a little COVID uh, scare. You know, has he been training these last two weeks? Has he been running his miles? Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. I don't know. I got ankle leave, man. Um, you know, one thing about these Russians is their demeanor doesn't change too often. I don't think he was too thrown off by, you know, the two weeks off. I don't think he was out here eating cheeseburgers. I don't think – dude, he's got Rizvan with him. He's got the whole crew with him. You know there's a lot of, you know, politics involved too with, with these Russians. You know that it's more than just him winning for his family. Uh, if he wants that new Mercedes on Monday, you know he's got to come out here with this dub, Shaq. So you already know the deal. Uh, I got uh, Magomed and Kaliva to get this one done. And it's probably going to be a knockout again, except this time it's going to be a real knockout. But if it happens to go the three-round distance, I favor ankle leave there as well. So bottom line, I got Mango Med ankle leave to win this fight. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Ricardo Lamas. He's 19 and 8. And Bill Algio is 13 and 4. Currently, they got Ricardo Lamas minus 300. The comeback on Bill Algio is plus 250. Shaq, I know you remember when everyone freaked out because uh, Dana didn't sign Brendan Lofnan when he beat Bill Algio. How, I mean, I know it's not really funny, but how like – Unique is it that Bill Algio got the call before uh, Brendan Lofnain. But uh, that being said, look, we, we're guys that have faded Lamas in the past, right? You know, we faded him against Calvin Cater and, you know, against other dangerous guys in the past. You picked Josh Emmett against him. But one, one thing that we have in common, you know, when we pick against Lamas is usually the guys we pick have a big danger factor about them. I mean, Calvin Cater, one of the most devastating right hands in the featherweight division, Josh Emmett, one of the most devastating left hooks in the division. These guys have big danger factors. You have to have a danger factor to beat Lamas. Bill Algio doesn't really strike me as a very dangerous guy at all. Now, what he does have going for him is he's long for the weight class. You know, he's six feet tall. He's experienced. He's got that going for him. But he's not exactly known for his one-punch knockout power. And uh, he kind of reminds me of, like, Julian Arosa. You know, he's tall. He's goofy. He's a decent fighter, just gets hit a little bit too much. I don't quite think he's ready for this level, but Lamas is 38 years old. So sometimes when you get up there in age, guys that would have never, you know, breathed your air a couple years prior can come out here and beat you. Do you view this as that situation or is it a vet lesson time Saturday night? Well, yeah, man, you know, because the line, it kind of started, you know, low for, you know, so I was like, damn, why, why is Ricardo uh... – you know, less than minus 200 to a dude that lost a lot, you know what I'm saying? But then you kind of get to digging into it. And, man, there's no – look, Lamas has had a great run, former title challenger, fought the best of the best, this and that. But, you know, lately, man, the last few years, I haven't really been that impressed. I feel like he's a little bit hesitant to throw just due to that fact that that chin has been touched in a way. <laughs> you know, Josh Emmett, Josh Emmett, let's just be honest here, is the hardest hitting 145er in the – in the weight class and Calvin Katar probably is the best boxer in the, uh, in the uh, weight class. And both those guys, you know, had a, had a field day with Lamas's chin and then not to mention, man, he's had some KO losses before that too, some vicious ones. So uh, the Mendez one, I know you remember what my boy Yuri Alcantara did to him back in the day in WEC. I know you remember what Danny Lascaux Castillo did to him as well back in the W in the uh, WEC. So Lamas has been knocked stiff 
several times. When, <laughs> like this is a one hundred percent facts. And you know, Algio, like you said, he's like an Arosa, tough kid, long, so he can create. I I do think he can create problems with the length. Like, and he's a tough kid, and he ain't scared to get his ass beat. You know, kind of like Arosa. You know, Arosa will move forward with his hands down. And the, the issue with that style is, yeah, you might be able to get off on some long jabs some teeps, some high kicks. It's just that his defense is so bad that, man, if Lamas decides to commit to his hands, this is where he can actually uh, have some success. It's just, man, I, if I was a, a betting man, you know, if I was, like, looking at this fight, I, I'd more look at the to see if Algio can make the distance, man, because I do think he's a tough guy. I don't think he's going to actually beat Lamas. But I do think he can hang in there tough with him. I feel like Lamas has lost a step. Uh, and this guy's long and, and he's tough. Lofnane put it on him. But, man, I kind of had a feeling like, man, you, you might start seeing Lamas start taking L's to guys. Like, I feel like Lofnane could fight Lamas. Like, no problem. <laughs> like, you know, I, I didn't think they were that far off anymore. And you saw what, I mean, I mean, look what happens when Lamas is fighting these uh these relevant guys, he's getting stopped in the very first round, you know, uh, and he was able to get that knockout over Darren Elkins. But Dan, when's the last time Darren Elkins won a fight? Good question. Let me look up the encyclopedia. I have no idea. <laughs> you know, so I feel like him, La Elkins, Lamas, Mendez, all those guys that uh, came up in that era are kind of, you know, on, on the outs, man. Uh, so I kind of, I, I, I'm a pick Lamas. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I think Ricardo Lamas is going to defeat Bill Algio. I don't think he's going to lose to Bill Algio. It could be a guillotine, a decision. But, man, I see a guy who's a little bit hesitant to commit to his hands, 38 years old, coming off a broken jaw. At this price, in my opinion, I'd be careful. Yeah, I feel where you're coming from. But if you got in under 2-1 to one, or even 2-1, to one, I, I, I get it. You know what I mean? Because this guy is not on Ricardo Lamas' level. It's just more so of a thing where – you know, Lamas, he's getting up there in age. He's been stopped brutally many, many times, not just recently, back in the day, like Shaq alluded to. Now, real quick, uh, Gerwin says Lamas just got a second-degree black belt. That's a good piece of info. And, you know, shout-out to those guys at MMA Masters. I feel like they've got one of the most underrated gyms in Florida right now. They've got a very you know good uh, game. You know, I heard a, a certain uh, top welterweight join that gym. Oh, yeah, you know, Colby's in there, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, I Colby. wonder how that's going all their wrestling games are about to improve big time. And I feel like his jujitsu is going to improve as a result because most of those guys there are black belts. You know what I mean? They've got an amazing calf kicking game. Uh, so I actually really like the kind of game plans they come up with at MMA Masters. And I feel like they're going to continue to fly under the radar. So I like uh, what they come up with. And the low kick is something that Bill Algio is very susceptible to. It, it's just a thing where, look, he's a long man. And, you know, in 2020, you're going to see six foot tall featherweights. Can he lift a knee up there? touch Lamas on the chin. It's not going to take much to put Lamas out. So I completely understand that, you know, this isn't a lock or anything like that, but I, I do favor Lamas. I think he's better everywhere. I think he's more experienced and I think he's been in shape, you know, uh, being ready for a fight. Interestingly enough, and I know uh, a lot of people, I know a lot of people disagree with me on this. Um, I was actually going to pick Ryan Hall via first round submission, <laughs> but uh, they're not fighting anymore. Now it's Bill Algio. I'm going to go with Lamas. Uh, probably a unanimous decision here. Now, next up in the featured bout, we got a matchup between Alexa Grasso. She's 11-3, and three, and Ji Yon Kim is 9-2. and two. Currently, they got Alexa Grasso minus 265. The comeback on Ji Yon Kim is plus 245. So, Alexa Grasso, Alexa Grasso she's moving up a weight class, uh, taking on Ji Yon Kim, who's historically a very tough out. Now, he, here's the thing. Obviously, there's a size difference, but, like, Alexa doesn't really have to worry about being taken down here. And also, one thing about Ji Yon Kim, she's very tough, but in being very tough the reason we know she's very tough is because she doesn't you know block punches uh she doesn't move her head out the way she doesn't uh you know block punches with her hands she blocks punches with her face so that kind of lets me think that alexa grasso is probably going to come out here and win a unanimous decision so she probably connects a little bit more but gian's tough man so i'm not out here laying the chalk but i'm gonna go with alexa grasso via decision she probably lands more lands cleaner wins the decision that way yeah, I feel like uh, this is actually a good a good fight because you know Kim is yeah she's one dimensional with the boxing but man her offense her offense with the hands I see why they uh, call her fire fist you know her offense with the hands it is legit um, 
she definitely has snapped some head heads back. I feel like that's why she got the win over Justine Keish, uh, the Fabian. I don't know why that was a split, but she landed some big punches. But yeah, defensively, she you know definitely will take some, but she can dish it out. And Grasso, yeah, I feel like she's gonna be healthier in this weight class. Uh, and this is a different style matchup. She usually is always fighting wrestlers like Esparza, Marco Suarez. Like she's been fighting uh, wrestlers for for a while now and uh i know but at the same time man you know she has dropped some l's to like felice herrig in the past just due to like sometimes she will have these spurts where she uh kind of you know loses the volume but i'm gonna I'm a guess it's because of the weight cut i mean she had to get pulled off that uh she's missed weight several times she missed weight for the marcos fight i mean there's been several uh things that she's had with her weight so you know um I, I think she's just slightly better uh, everywhere, faster hand speed. Uh, so I, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Alexa Grasso to get the unanimous decision. My boy A. Paul Rocco has me out here dying. I, I see stiffness, you know, like to quote the great uh, Conor McGregor. No, I feel you on that. I'll go with Grasso as well. Cool main event of the evening in the welterweight division. We got a matchup between the former champion Robbie Lawler. He's 28 and 14, and Neil Magny is 23 and seven. Currently, they got Neil Magny minus 230. The comeback on Robbie Lawler is plus 210. Um, man, I disagree with this line a lot. I'll let you guys know why. So, obviously, Neil Magny has been doing his thing since the Ponzinibbio fight, where Ponzinibbio absolutely destroyed him. That was a max bet on Ponzinibbio. But since that point, I haven't called his last two fights right. You know, uh, Li Jing Liang goes out there. He's trying to wrestle uh, Neil Magny. Tony Martin stops throwing after round one. You know, Tony Martin, he went from Anthony Rocco Martin to all of a sudden now he's back to Tony Martin because, you know, at 155, he was always known for, uh, you know, gassing out after the first round. And then at welterweight, he seemed like a new man. And then Neil Magny brought out the Tony Martin and Anthony Rocco Martin. You know what I mean? Made him gas out. Now, here with Robbie, it's interesting because there's a couple different ways to look at it. Obviously, there's the whole thing. Is Robbie done? Is Robbie, you know, how many fights <laughs> left? How many fights left does he have? The whole bit, I completely get that. And also, those last couple of fights have not been very inspiring. Um, but it's also, I also look at the level of competition he's been fighting, man. You know, guys like Colby Covington, you know what Colby, you know, Colby would pick Neil Magny up and throw him out the cage, right? And then RDA, I mean, I don't even need to tell you what would happen if RDA and Neil Magny fought because they did fight and the fight was over in like 90 seconds. You know what I mean? So these guys are nowhere. Uh, Neil Magny is nowhere near the level of these guys that have been beating Robbie Lawler. And then Ben Askren, I thought Robbie Lawler knocked Ben Askren out in the first round. Uh, you know, he wakes him up with a follow-up punch. The ref lets it continue. It was a very controversial stoppage. But back to this matchup, I feel like sometimes with these legends, when they take some time off, it gives them time to refresh. It gives them time to come back out here and get back on the winning track. You look at a guy like Frankie Edgar, even though I felt like he lost, uh, he, he got his arm raised. You look at a guy like Chris Weidman, even though I felt like he looked like shit, he got his arm raised. Now you're looking at a guy like Robbie Lawler. A couple of years ago, Robbie Lawler would never be a plus 200 dog to Neil Magny. It's just that people think uh, Neil Magny is going to come out here with his tremendous volume, his cardio from, you know, Denver elevation, uh, come out here, push the pace, rack up the numbers against Robbie Lawler. I completely understand. And there's a chance if Robbie's done, that's probably what's going to happen. Because I know, Shaq, you remember back in the Strike Force days, there's motivated Robbie Lawler and there's unmotivated Robbie Lawler. Unmotivated Robbie Lawler will stand there and shadow box in the middle of the fight and you'll be like, dude, what the hell is going on? Like, you remember that fight with Babaluso Brawl where like he literally shadow boxed the entire fight. You're wondering what the fuck is going on. And then in his post-fight speech, he was like, I, I was just trying to knock him out. It's like, no, Robbie, we got to get that output on point. But since that point, you know what I mean? Went out there, beat Rory McDonald twice, uh, won the UFC belt, defended it a bunch. So He's definitely uh, he definitely evolved into something better. But now here against Neil Magny, I think it's a situation where the first round Neil's going to be a little worry, uh, a little wary of that power that Robbie brings to the table. I think that Robbie's going to crack Neil with some hard stuff in that first round. Probably take that first round, maybe even get a knockout. Second round's going to be a little bit closer. Uh, that's when Neil starts to pick it up a little bit more. Two of the judges probably see it for Robbie. Maybe one sees it for Neil. Third round's probably going to be all Neil. So it'll come down to how do these judges score it. The, the one guy that's going to win by knockout is Robbie. But what happens if it goes to decision? That's the big that's the big question here. 
man, I really feel like the first half of the fight is going to go Robbie's way. The second half is going to go Neil's way. We're looking at a plus 200 line. I'm going to go with Robbie Lawler to get back on track here, man. I think that he can either knock Neil Magny out or win enough of the first seven minutes, lay on some hard shit in those first seven minutes, get the judges to kind of see it his way, and then survive when Neil starts to you know pile up that output in the third round. So at these odds, I got Robbie Lawler here for the win. Yeah, you know, uh, it's an interesting matchup because it's been a it's been a while since we've seen anything positive from Robbie. Uh, Robbie, I know he had the Askin uh, the Askin fight. He had some good moments, but you know it didn't end well. And then you know the uh, the Dos Anjos fight, he got dominated in uh, Colby Covington. But at the same time, all those guys I just said, you know, uh, had a belt at some point, I believe, right? So. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, this is a step down. And a lot of times, man, this is a issue even sometimes, you know, that everyone struggles with this. You know, yeah, you know, we all think, most people think Robbie Lawler's done. He's on his way out. But, you know, he's not fighting, a, you know, a, a two-time, you know, all-American wrestler that's going to, you know, press him against the fence and, and not give him any space. Or, you know, Dos Anjos, different matchup, just got on him with the calf kicks and, and messed up his knee. Um and then the Askren fight, you know, it is what it is. And the, I feel like this fight, you know, I feel like the best case for Robbie, kind of similar to the Cerrone fight where he kind of like, you know, fighting a long striker kind of comes out, gets off to a good start, kind of like what you're saying. Uh, Magny is more than likely going to win the third round. You know, Magny is a hard worker. You know, he doesn't give up. Um, but, man, I wouldn't fully just say Magny's back yet. I feel like. You know, Lee Jing Leong and Rocco Martin are kind of like fringe top 20, 25, 30 type of guys. Uh, and Robbie Lawler just has that aura about him where he might kind of intimidate Neil Magny a little bit. Just being uh, the fact that he's Robbie Lawler, you know, everyone in the fight game has a has a respect for Robbie Lawler. Obviously, you got to be worried that Robbie's not going to going to uh, throw enough down the stretch and like you said it's going to be uh, a real points game with Neil because we know the type of fighter that he is um man I, I there's under you know undeniably I do think there's some value on the line like I wouldn't I do slightly favor Neil just because he's fought uh, you know a little bit more recently two fights uh back to back he throws more and it, more than likely, if this goes to the cards, he's gonna win. But plus two, plus two hundred, it's like, god damn, that means like shit, Neil, you, Neil about to come out here and get a finish. Like, you know, possibly, I don't think there's any possibility he gets a finish. Uh, you know, like, I just feel like this line is indicating that Neil Magny's like about to set a, a, a significant strike record on Robbie Lawler, like Kobe Covington did or something, man. And I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. I feel like it's going to be a closely contested battle. Wouldn't shock me 100% if Neil just threw more and outworked him. But yeah, man, I, I think the, the, it's a dogger pass situation. Magny, you know, he, he, look, he's looked good these last two fights, man, 100%. But Tony Martin and Lee Jing Leong just haven't been in, on that level, man, as a Robbie Lawler. And I know Robbie Lawler hasn't looked good in a long time, but like you said, man, maybe, and I, and, you know, on the flip side, I have heard this, you know, Robbie Lawler's motivated and Robbie Lawler's rejuvenated, you know, we've heard that story several times, but you know, it's just a little bit of a trend I've been seeing, man. Uh, kind of like with Pedro and Frankie, I guess in a sense, but you know, I, I feel like uh, there is some value. So man, I'll, I'll take Robbie as well. Main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division. We got a matchup between Anthony Lionheart Smith. He's 33 and 15. And Alexander Rokic is 12 and 2. Currently, they got Alexander Rokic minus 255. The comeback on Anthony Smith is plus 215. Shaq, this is a hell of a main event. And real quick for all the fans listening, this is a three-round fight, not a five-round fight. Uh, there was originally supposed to be a different main event. These guys stepped up, and it's a great fight. So Lots of lots of different shit we got to talk about, man. Firstly, this whole Anthony Smith is a comeback kid talk. I know officially he's got a lot of third round finishes and he does get off to a slow start, but we got to point out his last two fights, he went out there and won the first round of his last two fights against Gustafsson and against Glover. He won the first round unanimously. So that's a good that's a good step in the right direction for someone that's known as a comeback kid. Now, as far as Rakic is concerned, now I know there's a lot of Rockage supporters out there, and I think he's a very talented guy too. 
But the reason why it might sound like I'm being a little critical on him or this or that is just because of the way people regard him. You know, if people just said that Rockich was just some average guy, then I probably wouldn't even mention these things. But the fact that people regard him as a future world champion, well, now I got to address this kind of shit. So firstly, why are we the only podcast on planet Earth that mentions that uh, Alexander Yo, sorry about that, guys. But anyways, as I was saying, why are we the only podcast on planet Earth that will mention the fact that Alexander Rockage went out there and got dropped by Devin Clark twice? Okay, like to everyone else, that's not sketchy at all. To me, it's extremely sketchy. Like you guys are talking about a future world champion. Future world champions don't get dropped by Devin Clark twice. That's all I got to say on that front. And then the other uh, criticism I have is that uh, in that Volkan Uzdemir fight, you know, people are taking the easy way out and saying, oh, that was a robbery, robbery this, robbery that. That wasn't a fucking robbery. The the only round Rockich won was round one. He won round one. He lost round two. He lost round three. How the fuck is that a, is that a robbery? That wasn't a robbery. When the going got tough, he wasn't able to bite down on that mouthpiece and, you know, deliver the win. And that's just the bottom line. So when people talk about this guy being a future world champion, like, uh, he's got a little bit more to prove before we talk like that. Now, real quick, someone said, were those Clark knees illegal? Uh, what knees? I mean, he went out there and dropped him with the overhand right. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I know what knees you're talking about, but he got dropped twice before the knees. So I, I'm not even worrying about the knees, man. He got he got floored first punch of the fight. So there's a lot of sketchy shit with Rockage. Now, the good stuff with Rockage, because we're, we're going to talk about the good, too. He's a physical freak. He's huge for the weight class. He hits like a truck. He's got kickboxing experience. He's got good offensive wrestling too. Uh, he's a big boy like we mentioned already. And with some good experience, with some good seasoning behind him, I feel like he's going to come out here, win a lot of fights. Now with uh, Anthony Lionheart-Smith, you know, for someone that's known for getting off to these slow starts, that last fight against Glover, man, if he could have just maintained that output the rest of the fight – I feel like, man, he'd actually move up the rankings because he was going out there. That wasn't like uh, Anthony Lionheart Smith to me, Shaq. That was like James Krause at 205, man. The jabs, the calf kicks, the knees. I was like, damn, Anthony, this is beautiful. But he wasn't able to keep it up. And then once he started getting teed off on, man, it was uh, it was very uncomfortable to watch, my friend. Now he's coming back very shortly after. Hasn't had much of a break. And I feel like Look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physician, you know, all that shit. But if one of my guys took a beating like that, I'd say, hey, let's take six months off. You know what I mean, Shaq? Let's, let's take some time off, rekindle that flame, heal up a little bit. But Anthony wants to jump back in there. And I don't really like the things I've been hearing Anthony saying, you know, saying he's talking more about a title shot than he is talking about Rockage. This week, he's kind of changed his tune a little bit. But leading up until the fight, it was all about the title shot. You know, he doesn't think this guy is anywhere near his level. I don't think you should be overlooking a guy like Rockage at all. Now, when Rockage was like minus 300, I was thinking that was getting up, up there way a little bit, way too high. Now I kind of understand minus 255. Hey, I feel like that's a little bit more reasonable. So I, I lean with Rockage, man. I feel like, you know, he's a little bit fresher right now. He's got more room to make improvements. He's probably going to hit Anthony with some hard shit to the body and to the chin. I think there's a good chance he puts him out. But man, if he lets everything out again and, you know, has nothing left in the second and third rounds, Anthony is experienced enough where he can come out here, get, gain some momentum and possibly put it on Rockage late. But I'm, I'm going to lean with Rockage, man. I think that this is a good time for him. Timing is everything. I'm going to go with Rockage to win this one here.
Yeah, man, I feel like uh, you hit some good points. I feel like Rachik was overrated. I still feel like he is still a bit overrated, but in this particular spot against Smith, it could potentially be a good fight. And the reason why I say Ratchet was overrated because, look, you know, he had the two wins over Bohozo, UFC reject, Justin Ledette. You know, it hasn't – I know he was undefeated at the time when they fought, but now I think we can see that, uh, you know, Justin Ledette, uh the move to 205 just hasn't translated. Uh, and then, you know, the Devin Clark fight in which he got dropped in, and then, you know, this vicious KO of Emana. Well, I mean – I mean, let's just be honest there. At that point, everyone in their I mean, the light heavyweight division trains on Jimmy Manoa at that point, man. I mean, Black Hope got him. Uh, O'Kan KO'd him. Uh, Tiago Santos KO'd him. So I feel like Ratchet was able to just get the remains there. And I feel like pretty much every top 10, you know, light heavyweight would have done that to uh, Jimmy Manoa. So I, I just don't put that much stock into a beautiful knockout. Don't get me wrong, but just, you know, I don't think it was that hard of a task. And then, you know, his fight with Ozdemir, where we really got to see him go 15 minutes. I came into the fight overconfident. Uh, I mean, he's still under the impression that he clearly won that fight, which kind of worries me a little bit. But at the same time, like you said, man, Smith kind of just is giving me a vibe of like, he kind of doesn't give a shit anymore. You know, and I feel like, uh, He's kind of one of those overachievers, man, you know, where, I mean, if you would have told me five, six years ago that Anthony Smith would have fought for a UFC light heavyweight title, you know, we would have, we would have told I mean, you know what they used to call him back in Strike Force? They used to call him, you know, that bum from Strike Force, man, you know, uh, he used to get finished like every single fight. So, you know, I mean, there's been stretches in his career where he's knocked out four or five times in a row so like uh anthony smith i feel like kind of was riding a, a serious wave at 20 uh two i'm back down and stoppage losses and, and stoppage losses and in general so I feel like Ratchet, man, honestly, I question his toughness and I kind of question his chin slightly. I know he hasn't been knocked out in the UFC, but the Devin Clark fight does alarm me. And, and another thing I wanted to mention, man, I feel like uh, Anthony Smith, you know, in this last fight with Glover Teixeira, I feel like, man, that was one of the few cases where I kind of do want to blame a corner in a sense like, uh, I know that James Krause is a good coach and he's got a bunch of a bunch of fighters. I mean, he's got fighters out here, you know, every uh, every card, it seems. But man, like if you if anyone watching this, you know, goes back and watches that fight, like or especially the first round, like I feel like if you hear like because, you know, there's no fans in there. I feel like if you hear uh, Anthony Smith's corner, it's just so chaotic. Like I feel like James Krause was just like trying to say way too many things and that style I've never really seen Anthony fight like before. And yeah, he looked good, but he's never really, you know, I know Kraus has that style, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for, for Anthony Smith. You know, I feel like Smith's a guy that, you know, he kind of is a slow starter and he builds progressively as where this time he started off good, which everyone starts good against Glover to share. He's slow as molasses. So at the same time, it's like, I mean, who hasn't won the first against Glover to share in the last couple of years? You know what I'm saying? But uh, I feel like I feel like his corner kind of just lost uh, a little bit control of the situation, and Cormier kind of hit on it during the fight. He's man, they're kind of going crazy over there, and I feel like the the more they were talking and saying all this shit, Anthony just kept throwing, kept throwing, while Glover, kind of like the video game, was just pressuring him, not throwing anything up until, you know, the seven, eight minute mark, and then that's when the, the tide completely turned, man, so I kind of blame Anthony, I kind of blame James Krause, not saying James Krause is a good coach, but I feel like, man, they, they need some more work together, maybe Anthony has stepped back to to move forward, but man, I feel like Ratchet can control the center, I feel like he can he can kind of just control the action as in like land uh, you know and he only throws like two or three shots at a time but i feel like he can land the harder shots move stick to a good game plan tie him up here and there and kind of stay ahead but at the same time you are paying minus 250 for that it's just that anthony smith i do truly feel like he was an overachiever i you know i thought he was going to be able to get the first round stoppage over glover but you know things didn't go his way but man his whole career even the guy that has so much energy for the rounds and the fact that you know
And, you know, I feel like he needs to be more of a, a stationary, plotty guy in the early rounds and build up instead of, you know, uh, trying to use this energy. Because Anthony's a big guy, even though he's coming up from 85s. So I'm going to go with Ratchik, man. I feel like he's just slightly sharper. Uh, I feel like he's in better health conditions as of right now, you know, in terms of the chin. Uh but at the same time, man, I feel like Ratchet is super cocky and, and a little bit delusional, man, in some of his interviews. Like, I feel like this Volcan fight was a clear two to one that he lost. I mean, his leg was, you know, the size of a, a like, that thing looked don't get what he's talking about. But I'm going to go with Ratchet for a, for a somewhat comfortable decision win. Yeah, Rakic was like, everyone knows I won. Uh, no, no, we don't, Alexander. <laughs> no, we don't. But, uh, you know, you know how that shit goes, man. Uh, a lot of delusion in the fight game, my friend. Now, real quick, before we get out of here, before we talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, uh, Big Chief just says Springer and Cypher's missed weight. So that's good to know. Uh, Apol Rocco said, shout out to MLK. I have a dream was on this day in 1963. So shout out to the legend, the hero, MLK. You know, we're from Georgia. So I'm very proud to have learned about that great man. And Shaq. Now let's talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Vegas 8? Uh, my fight to watch is going to be uh, Jan Kudalaba versus Ankalaev because you know that Kudalaba is going to charge at him during the uh, fighter introductions and the security is going to have to get between the two. Good feeling knockout. So yeah look uh my fight to watch is gonna be impa kasagane versus coconut bombs uh there's no way that this fight is gonna be boring anytime these two fight it's super exciting and i want to see what impa looks like in his ufc debut look a lot of people thought he should have got signed after contender series the first time they bring him back a year later he gets another win now he's in the ufc he's only seven and no but i feel like the sky's the limit and then Mackie bitolo very well-rounded guy hits like a truck super exciting I'm, I'm pumped for that fight, Shaq. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch? My in the main event is Alexander Ratchet. Personally, I don't see no future world champion. I want to see what he does against Anthony Smith because Anthony Smith, I don't see a, a title in his, in his future uh, either. But at the same time, Anthony's a good test to see where, where you're at, man. He's got the wins over... Alexander Gustafsson, uh, Gustafsson and um, Volkan Ozdemir. So this is going to be, if Alexander is able to get this win, I feel like this will be like solidified, stamped, legit win over a former title challenger. And I feel like uh, a big fight would be on his horizons. Then he'll be, uh, you know, one or two away from a title shot. So uh, he's my fighter to watch. Yeah, no doubt about it. For me, my fighter to watch is the former champion, Ruthless uh, Robbie Lawler. I mean, this is such an important fight in his career, not only because a couple of years ago he wouldn't be caught dead losing to a guy like Neil Magny, but because this is a chance for him to get back on track, get a win, you know, go back out there, put on a show, remind people that, hey, I still got something left to give and I'm still a relevant top 15 guy. So uh, I feel like, hey, not only that, you also consider the momentum Magny's got right now coming off those two wins. People are really high on him right now. If Robbie can kind of halt that momentum kind of put it on his side a little bit. I feel like that's a huge win in, in this day and age. So Robbie Lawler is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down tomorrow, Saturday night, UFC Vegas 8, Alexander Rockich versus Anthony Lionheart-Smith. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. They can get our plays at bestfightpicks.com. We truly want to thank all our fans, all our listeners, all our supporters. We know we did this last minute, but the fact that so many of you hopped on here with us and checked this out live, truly amazing maybe maybe we'll start doing these live streams soon you know because uh, that saves a lot of editing time but it's also awesome to be able to interact with you guys like this so thank you guys so much make sure you all subscribe to half the battle on itunes soundcloud youtube stitcher spotify all the places where we are available hit that like button below hit that subscribe button we truly appreciate it we'll be back next week for the next fight card and until the next time let's cash these bets